the Bible. It's the all-time best-selling book. Billions and billions of copies of it sold. And not just all-time best-selling, but still every year, it tops the list. Top the list every year, every year, every year. And see, that makes a lot of sense to me because the Bible is full of a lot of prophets. Do you get it? Prophets? All right. Okay, come on. That was hilarious. Um, We are in our series, um, Spiritual Gifts, and obviously we're focusing on spiritual gifts and how God has uniquely gifted every one of us for the purpose of building his church. We are starting with uh, what we call the five-fold gifts. We've been in it for a few weeks now, and uh, those gifts are found in Ephesians 4.11. It says, now these are the gifts that Christ gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors and teachers. Going back into worship, I guess. I didn't even know. <laughs> Missed the memo. Now, but, but these five gifts that Christ gave the church, they... Um, they exist for a purpose that he gave them. He didn't just say like, here's some gifts, now go do whatever you want. But he said, here's some gifts. And the purpose is to build and to grow the church and not just grow it however we want, but specifically to supernatural unity and maturity that will be healthy, growing, and full of love. All right, now here's the time of the week that you guys hopefully all raise your hands because you've all taken the gift assessment test by now, right? Still a lot of hands down. Okay, if this isn't your first time here, your hand should be raised, and not because you're a liar, but because you've taken the test. Um, because it, it's out there, it's been gone out in emails, it's on Facebook like a hundred times. Um, get on there, take this assessment so that you can find, it, you know, again, it's just a tool to help point you in the direction of most likely where God has, where Christ has gifted you in this. And this should be one of the most sought after things besides Jesus himself, so that you can know how he's gifted you and so you can find your place within our church. It's, we're not all called, or none of us are called to be bench warmers, right? We're all called with a purpose and we're all gifted with a work to do. And there's something God's created to you and you're probably already doing it and you just don't even know. And so it's like, there's a specific spot for you to be doing things here and we want to get you in that place because that's where you will feel most fulfilled. You will... You know, if you were an artist of some sort and you created something, like if you're a musician and you wrote music, you would be most enjoyed that if other people are enjoying your music. Like that's when you would feel fulfilled with it. You might like your music, but when other people go, oh, that is good, that's when you feel it. And and God has created you as a creator. And he feels most fulfilled when you're living within your purpose. So search that out. Go after it. Um, We've already covered three of these gifts, so... You know, by the time you take this test, hopefully within, before we finish all five, um, but you might need to go back, listen to them some more. Maybe go back and just listen to them anyways, um, just to remind yourself of them. If you haven't taken the test, go listen to even the first part of each message where we talk about what, it, what does that gift look like kind of in our natural lives, and maybe one of those will ring true to you, and you'll be like, okay, maybe that's what I want to do because you don't want to take the test. I don't know, but um, it's there. It's a tool. Use it. So this week, we're guessing, or we're guessing, I just read the word guest because it was there, I don't know. Uh, we are focusing on the prophet, if you didn't guess that from the beginning. Uh, but the prophet is the voice of alignment. Prophets come alive when they can be present, when they can give voice to how um, they see people in, within their current circumstances. If you're a prophet, you are brilliant at encouraging others literally putting courage into others through your bold observations that you can make. 
You have intuitive capabilities to see the hole in a system or a process that would make it more efficient or effective. You love to ask the question, why? And it's probably got you in trouble before in your life. You are most likely highly creative in some unique way, and that can serve as a platform to allow you to speak the message of alignment to the better and just way of God in the world. You also have a deep desire to be courageous, to listen to Jesus, and to stay in communication with him. And when you relay these messages to others, you're incredibly powerful when it comes with love and truth in your voice. Now, while the the gift of prophet and prophecy are obviously connected, they share some root terms, they are also different. Um, You can be an Ephesians 4 gifted prophet without not necessarily prophesying about the future or whatever you think of when you hear the word prophet or prophecy. Just like the evangelist naturally moves within their gifts, able to meet the desires of people around them, like we talked about last week, whether it's through sales or, you know, nonprofits or whatever they're doing, they can um, help connect those desires with people. But if they connect with the supernatural, then evangelists can see signs and wonders follow them. It's the same for prophets. Prophets can see that what it would take to help a person move into action in their lives, and they can help encourage them to do so. But if they can connect with the supernatural side, then they will also see how God views them and be able to share it from a whole other perspective. Naturally, prophets are some of the best encouragers. They can put courage into people because they can see what would cause them to get to action. And they say, you can do it right there in that specific way that you can. Prophets focus on um, the part, part of the heart that is the will. And the will is the part of us that makes the choice to lead to action. Um, without the will to do something, you will never do it, right? Until you get that will. And that's where prophets kind of focus um, in the heart of the church. Like I said, prophets are that voice of alignment. They are concerned with the choices people are making. And if they line up with whatever morals and beliefs that person um, should be following, right? Does, does the actions reflect the beliefs that you say? Do your actions line up with um, what you say you believe. They, that's where they kind of focus. And it's really interesting because prophets, we, we hear that word and we think biblical prophets, but prophets can actually, they do the same thing outside with, with other beliefs, whether it's, you know, politics or all the different things they can be focused in, and even on people that disagree with them. Well, if you say you believe this, why are your actions not lining up to that? And they call people out on that because they're so concerned with that alignment. They just want to see things in order, and that's a big reason why they ask why. In the Old Testament, the Hebrew word for prophet was nabi, which translates to openness. Um, it was used often as a, a spokesperson, was the word like, you know, in their terms, they would have heard this open spokesperson, um, specifically by some sort of inspiration. The idea was an openness to God to hear, to see, and then share, to be God's open mouthpiece. Deuteronomy 18, 18, um, God is speaking. It says, I will raise up a prophet like you from among their fellow Israelites, and I will put my words in his mouth, and he will tell the people everything I command him. In the Old Testament, prophets were often referred to as seers because they had the ability to see into the spiritual realm in some sort of way that other people could not. It's almost like whenever they wanted They could pull out the special glasses from the first ever box of Wheaties and put it on, you know, and just see everything through a different lens than the rest of the world around them. Or you could picture that they had the ability to kind of pull back the physical curtain and look into the spiritual world and see things with a perspective that 
people with natural eyes cannot see. From the New Testament, in Greek, it's the word prophetess. And that's not the female version of prophet. Um, both male and female are, are just referred to as regular prophet. Okay, there's, there's nothing more. The Bible is very progressive here. There's no genders when it comes to prophet. Um, it's, just, it's just prophet. All right. And the Greek definition comes to, is the one who communicates the divine. I just love that, that idea. It's to make known, to divulge, and to announce hidden things. As always, we've seen in all these gifts that Jesus is our ultimate example of this gift. In Hebrews 1, 1 through 2, it says, Long ago, God spoke many times and in many ways to our ancestors through the prophets. And now, in these final days, he has spoken to us through his son. Pretty much all that Jesus said could be, in a way, revealed, hidden, spiritual, supernatural things that the rest of the world could not understand. You know, he, he often said, I'm speaking in parables. I'm bringing to you truths of the kingdom of God. All of his teachings almost comes in that, that, the way of a prophet. He brought words that God spoke to people, and he's really doing that even today through the living word into our lives. If you were a prophet, you probably have always felt like maybe you had a little extra insight into people's lives and into situations. You had a different viewpoint um, that others don't always see, especially about themselves. You probably have been hearing from God and seeing behind the scenes into the, um, to the supernatural and into the spiritual, and you maybe didn't even know it. You probably have some sort of righteous anger sometimes when things aren't in alignment, when things aren't in the right order, because you're sensitive to that spirit within you. And you probably clearly see where things aren't lining up and how things could process better. Um, let's get a little bit more depth into what a biblical prophet looks like. Um, some of the traits of an Ephesians 4 gifted prophet. We see in the Bible that prophets come from all walks of life. Um, you had farmers like Elisha, where Elijah was out and about, and he sees Elisha out there plowing the fields. And he's like, Elisha, you're supposed to be a prophet. And Elisha's like, oh, okay, let me go say goodbye to my mom and dad. And he's like, no. Get rid of everything now, join me. And he just does, and he becomes a prophet. Um, there's also well-educated prophets like Daniel and probably Ezekiel. Um, and then there was priests that came to be um, prophets as well, as well as like Samuel. And so you, you have prophets from all walks of life. If you look at the regular language that prophets used um, in the Old Testament, sometimes their grammar and their mechanics is actually really bad and really poor, and, uh, which is... Interesting if you think of it, them being God's spokesperson, like why would it not be like the most perfect language you've ever heard? But it's not a direct reflection of how God speaks, but a, more of a reflection on who God can use because the only qualification for them was to be open. Now, while origin differs, we do find common traits among prophets um, throughout the Bible and in life today. And the first thing is that prophets have usually known extreme highs and lows in experiences of life. A lot of the Old Testament prophets had some crazy life stories. Um, let's look at Daniel. In Daniel chapter 1, we find that he was taken as a young man um, into captivity. His home country had lost a war, and he was kidnapped by Babylon and taken home. Now, his life in Babylon was not horrible. Um, he was in a prison. He was actually given um, great education and access to a lot of the things of the king, but he was still basically their slave and was taken from his family. Many of the prophets went through similar traumatic events, uh, events throughout their life. 
And I believe this is because God tends to broaden kind of the emotional scope, the emotional ability to, of a prophet to feel more than the regular person so that they can fully communicate the heart of God. Because prophets don't usually just hear words or just see a picture. They usually feel what the spiritual um, or what the spirit is feeling. And without having some of those real life experiences around them, they won't be able to fully share what God is saying to them. Because maybe they're like, I'm feeling something, but I don't have the words for it. So God has helped them throughout their life to be able to have multiple different experiences so that they can well communicate the feelings of God. The second thing is prophets tend to have a different perception about life. They tend to not be limited by the natural world around them, nor are they really distracted by life around them. Because of the way that they see the spiritual realm, it seems more real to them than the physical sometimes. They can also, because of that, be a little bit disconnected from the world around them because they're like, this stuff doesn't matter, this stuff is important, they're probably doing some weird things. Uh, you think of Elisha in 2 Kings chapter 6, 15 and 17, says, when the servant of the man of God, Elisha, so when Elisha's servant got up early the next morning and he went outside, there were troops and horses and chariots everywhere. And he goes, oh, sir, what will we do now? The young man cried to Elisha. Don't be afraid, Elisha told them, for there are more on our side than theirs. Right? Are you following what's happening? This, this army has now surrounded Elisha and his servant. His servant walks out in the morning to like pick up their newspaper, I don't know, um, and uh, goes, you know, sneaks back in. Uh, Elisha, we got a problem. We are surrounded by armies. And Elisha looks out the window. He's like, I, I don't see it. He's like, there's more on our side than theirs. Now, I'm sure that man's like, this guy is crazy. I was just out there. There's nobody else out there. And Elisha, said, Elisha prayed, oh Lord, open his eyes and let him see. And the Lord opened the young man's eyes. And when he looked up, he saw that the hillside around Elisha was filled with horses and chariots of fire. Elisha saw the reality of the spiritual realm, why his servant couldn't see past the physical. Prophets at times, they, can, they see those things that look a bit different. And so sometimes they see the big picture, but they can't see the real application to make it work. Um, prophets don't always get the strategy. They usually get just the message or just the picture. So prophets understand that it's not your job to figure it out or to find the strategy. Often it, it's more your job just to share what you are perceiving. Sometimes God does give you the picture and the strategy. But if he's giving you just the word, then just share the word. Alternatively, prophets can get really caught up on one piece of the picture because that was all that was revealed to them and then they can't see the bigger picture. In 1 Corinthians 13, 9, it says, Now our knowledge is partial and incomplete, and even the gift of prophecy reveals only part of the whole picture. And in verse 12, it says, Now we see things imperfectly, like puzzling reflections in a mirror, and then we will see everything with perfect clarity. All that I know now is partial and incomplete, and then I will know everything completely, just as God knows me completely. Through prophecy and what prophets see is just in part, it is partial and incomplete. Thanks, now. Um, you might see the, the whole picture, but you don't know how we get there. Or maybe you're only seeing one piece. Maybe you have one part of the puzzle, but you can't figure out how it fits into everything else because you're only staring at the puzzle piece. It's as if we were working on a puzzle together and you're like, like, hey, we need this piece that has some red on it. And you pull it out and you're like, 
I have found the red piece. And you can't like, you're holding it so close to your face, you can't even see the rest of the puzzle to see how it goes. But you're like, this piece has been revealed to me. And it gets often kind of held in front of a prophet's eyes and they can't realize that this piece probably goes into some sort of bigger picture. And I've seen this in prophets because, and you probably experienced it too, where, you know, maybe you're sitting in church service next to someone who's a gifted prophet and it looks like they're spaced out all service. Just like, you know, they're not listening to anything going on. And uh, all of a sudden the pastor hits some point and they're like, yes, amen. That's it. That's what we need to hear. Then the pastor moves on and they're like, oh gosh. You know, because they're like, they're focused on that puzzle. And afterwards, and this has happened to me afterwards, they've come up to me and said like, you know, the rest of your sermon was great, but you only hit one good point. You know, there was only one thing you said that mattered. And I also know that this happens because I've done it to other people. Um, It's not a bad thing, prophets, that you have a different perception. It's actually a great thing that is very needed and very helpful. We need prophets to bring those words, right? You can't finish the puzzle without the peace that they can find. But they need to be joined with the other gifts, like apostles to help keep them focused on big picture, right? It's not a matter of, what, of ignoring what's important to the prophets or what God has said. It's about how it all fits together. It's more of a, I'm glad you found that puzzle piece. It's very needed. How can it fit? Third, prophets tend to be very passionate. They are driven to convey what has been shown to them, often again and again and again, and maybe even again, if need be. Often their very lives become an embodiment of what God has shown them. We see this with the Old Testament prophets. We have Hosea, who married a prostitute to prove the message of God's love and faithfulness. You have Ezekiel, who laid on his left side for over 300 days, and then on his right side for 40 days to show the amount of years Israel would be in punishment. We have Isaiah, and often we think fairly scholarly of Isaiah. His things tend to be a little bit more put together. But in chapter 20, verses 1 through 6, it says that he walked around naked for three years. You don't find that story in the children's Bible, let me tell you. Anyways, <laughs> but even, even with New Testament prophets, you have John the Baptist who, who chose to cast off all of the natural comforts and wear camel hair. And that wasn't like a stylish thing when they said that about John the Baptist. It's actually like really itchy and uncomfortable. And he chose purposely to live an uncomfortable life in the desert eating bugs because that's like the, the message he needed to, to bring. He felt, I'm called to be this voice in the desert preparing the way for the Lord, and people traveled out to hear him, and he still preached the same message over and over and over. Sometimes a prophet's passion for these things tend to be what separates them from other people, right? It's not like you were going to show up at Isaiah's house for dinner with your kids knowing he was probably naked, right? You're not going to sit down with Hosea and be like, you know, how's your marriage going? Because you're like, you know he married a prostitute. She's probably out with another man. And sometimes this passion of a prophet separates them from being a part of the norm. And that's okay, because it's very needed for them to be like that. Because that's how God spoke to the whole of his people. And that leads us to number, trait number four, that prophets do not always find it easy to relate to others. Seemingly impractical and often awkward to work with at times, many prophets have been misunderstood. And so they've chosen to leave the church and do their own thing. But the church needs you if you're a prophet. And prophets need the church. We are supposed to be working together, right? There's so many weird things 
that happened with the Old Testament prophets. On top of already the mentioned items, there was a time that Elijah was fed by birds for multiple days. You know, like the joke, like mama, I don't know if they chewed up the food and spit it right into his mouth like they did for their babies. I don't know, it just says the birds brought him food. Hosea not only married a prostitute, but he named his children not loved and not my people. Like, those are probably the worst names for kids, you know? Like, I've heard some bad ones, but those are definitely top of the list. Ezekiel, you know, he laid on his side for all these days, but he also ate his food, cooked over animal poo. Well, actually, he believes he was asked to cook over his own poo, and he was like, God, you know, there's times where I'm going to have to draw the line. And my line would have been way above anything poo, but he was like, as long as it's not mine, Lord. Um, Right? I don't know. Jeremiah, he had to wear the same underpants for a long time. And then when they were really disgusting, God told them to hide it in a rock in the wilderness. He's like, okay, sweet. I didn't want them in my house anyways. They're disgusting. But then all of a sudden God revealed like, hey, I need you to go back and, and check on those underpants. Jeremiah's like, I, gross. I don't want to see this. But he goes and, yep, they're still disgusting, God. And he's like, that's how dirty the Lord's people are because of their pride. Right? There are some weird things that prophets do. But those very things is what's helped guide people's, or all of God's people back to him. You probably know some Christian person that you think is a little too involved. Maybe a too, too into whatever they believe. They're probably a prophet. And they probably need your support. Even just to sit down and listen. I don't get why you smell so bad and why you're still wearing those underwear. And even why you went back to look at them in the woods after you listened to them. But... I will try to understand, you know, and sit down and hear, right? So what is the role of prophets today? The first thing, prophets should be giving direction. They should provide insight, and they should help shape what is being built. In the Old Testament, we find prophets not only out doing their own thing, but often coming alongside the kings who are ruling their nations to help them bring direction. Often the, the king's like, we got to make some decisions. Where is the prophet? Let's see what they see, because they obviously see something more than what I can see. So they brought guidance. They brought insight into what God was up to. We also see them throughout the book of Judges leading the nation as a prophet. In Ephesians 2.20, it says, together we are his house, all of us, built on the foundation of apostles and the prophets. And the cornerstone is Christ Jesus himself. Apostles and prophets, they are foundational to the, the church structure. Prophets, kind of in this building metaphor, they're the ones that would be looking over the, the blueprint. Going, yeah, I think all these things work right. Let's make sure that they're lining up. Let's make sure everything's in order. Are we doing what we're supposed to be doing here? Are we staying to code? You know, are we doing all this stuff? They're looking for possible problems, things that, that aren't quite lining up. David and I uh, framed out our basement I don't know, last year, was it? And uh, we started building things according to the blueprint and uh, like securing walls into place. Then we're like, there's not enough room for this door that's supposed to fit here. Um, and so we had to like re redo it, but we were doing it by what the blueprint had said. And uh, so it's kind of those things that the prophet would have been looking at and before we even got there, been like, yeah, this isn't gonna work. We're gonna have to make some changes. You know, they have that kind of ideas when they're, they're looking at things as a whole. They bring that alignment and they bring that protection to the church and its vision. You know, a lot of times when we hear that word prophet, 
We think they should just be giving us pictures of the future. But in reality, most of the prophetic books, those books in the Bible that were written by the prophets, they don't really have a lot to do with pictures way in the future. Usually there's, you know, there's a little bit of glimpses or some little verses here and there, but it has to do more with the here and now in those moments of how God's people should be acting and how to get back in line with God's work. Usually the only things that were came about of the future were like, if you don't get things together, this is the destruction waiting you. Or if you can get things together, these are the promises that are awaiting you. What prophets often hear is less about the future and more about the alignment with God's will. Which leads us to their second main role is that prophets should be seeing and hearing from God and sharing that with us. 1 Corinthians 14.3 says, But one who prophesies strengthens others, encourages them, and comforts them. And that can be one-on-one. It can be to a group. It can be to the church. Or it can be to the whole world. But this is the purpose. If your word that you're about to share can't come out in a way that strengthens others, encourages them, or comforts them, then maybe it's not a word for you to share. Maybe your own heart might be skewing it some ways, and, and there's a big possibility that it might just be for you to pray with insight. Right? Not all things heard, prophets, need to be shared. Prophets, you should work on your discernment with God, with the Spirit, to decide whether or not things need to be shared and how they should be shared. Like I said, often things can be revealed to you just to be able to pray with some sort of deeper understanding. Maybe it's something that doesn't need to be shared to the whole group, but just to that single person. Um, So take some time when you feel like you hear a word and say, okay, God, where and how should I be sharing this? Do I even need to share this? This is similar to things about the apostolic gift um, that I have it allows me to see kind of overall organizations and how can they function better and work together better. And so often when I visit other churches, my brain, like my natural ability, gets, kicks in and goes, you know, if they just did these things a little bit different, things would just flow better. Things would just work better. And, um, but it would be really rude of me to stand up and announce to that church, hey, I have a way that things could work better for you. You know, like, so similar to the prophet, you can't just boast in like that and and say, oh, I've got all these things. You know, make sure that you're bringing it in a way that strengthens and encourages the truth with love. And if you are, if you know you're to share, then you bring the word. You bring the whole word you were given and nothing but that word. It doesn't need to be mystical. Mostly, and most of the time, it's nothing like that, right? You're not going to go into a trance and your eyes roll back in your head and you're like, you know, you're not going to like float off the ground. Your feet will probably stay on the ground. Your face might end up on the ground if you like get a glimpse of God. But, you know, it's not like the wind is going to pick up around you and all of a sudden your hair is like blowing everywhere. It's going to feel normal to you. It will come out of you in the way that God has already created you. 1 Corinthians 14, 32 through 33 says, Remember that people who prophesy are in control of their spirit and can take turns. For God is not a God of disorder, but of peace, as in all the meetings of God's holy people. God is a God of order. If you are hearing a prophet and they feel like they got to be all super spiritual when they're giving words, I would be wary of that. Because they might be putting on a show to try and convince you that it is a word. But God is a God of order. It says that people who prophesy are in control of their spirit. 
As a prophet, you might just get one word or one picture and no understanding. Other times, you might get a long word. Maybe almost a whole video scenario plays out in your mind, and you're given the meaning, and you're giving understanding. There's not, you know, a specific way you will hear. All those different ways have come across to the Bible. But be careful to not add to what you receive. If it's one word, get up and share that one word. You may have heard a prophet get up and they start giving a word and you're like, yes, yes. And you feel that like it starts in the spirit, but by the end, it's just their flesh. That's because they probably gave more than what God gave them. Sometimes you get that one word and you just want it to feel bigger because you're like, ah, it takes a lot for me to get up there. And I don't want to be like, Jesus has just given me the picture of a grape. You know, and they're like, mic drop. You know, and everyone's like, what? I know, but God, you know, you don't know what God is doing with that. And that's not up for you to know. It's up for you to share with what you've been given and not always to dig in more. On the other side, don't be afraid to share what God is really sharing with you. We need the truth and we need the love. You may not like the word you're bringing, like Jonah. Um, you know, Jonah's like, I don't want to go tell Nineveh that. They're bad people. But you are God's spokesperson, so share what you have heard. Jeremiah Johnson, um, he's a current prophet who's out there, who puts out a lot of videos and letters and things about what God is showing him about the world going on and stuff. And uh, recently, he was very wrong in his prophecies about this last election. And he wrote an amazing apology letter about he went wrong by skewing his words by what he believed. And uh, I... If you are a gifted prophet, I would highly encourage you to go read that letter because there's a lot of wisdom, a lot of things you can learn from it. Um, a quick Google search will lead you to it. Jeremiah Johnson, apology letter or something like that. Um, but, you know, it doesn't change that God. God doesn't like take away his gift. God made him that way. He's still able to function that way. So understand that you need to not put your heart into what God shows to you. Sometimes you might be hesitant on sharing and somebody else gets up and shares the very thing that you were going to share. And now don't despair. Don't be hard on yourself because of that. Be encouraged that you are hearing correctly and then let it boost your confidence to get up and share next time. Amos 3, 7 says, Indeed, the sovereign Lord never does anything until he reveals his plans to his servants, the prophets. And that's how needed prophets are within our community, that, that God is never going to move and do something without sharing it with someone. So when you hear a word, please bring it. Maybe at that moment you can't share it with somebody, write it down, pray over it. Make sure you're going to bring the word correctly, especially if it's something you feel is a big deal. And share it in your own language, right? God does not speak King James Version, all right? He speaks to you how you are. You know, there, does, there needs to be no thus saith the Lord. You know, before and after that message, it, it doesn't mean just share with what you're given. Um, most prophetic people can be fairly dramatic. And uh, we've talked about that extra boost of emotional side that they have. And uh, it's on purpose. Because just as important as the word that God gives is also the heart behind it. And sometimes words can only come across like one plane, one you know, field of view, but if we can put action behind it, if we can put it in a song, if we can do these things, it, it brings the emotion and the feeling behind it. And we see that in the Old Testament, like I said, all those crazy things that the Old Testament uh, prophets did was for a purpose. But we see it in the New Testament as well. In Acts 21, 10 through 11, 
It says, several days later, a man named Agabus, great name, uh, who also had the gift of prophecy, arrived in Judea. He came over and he took Paul's belt and he bound his own feet and hands with it. And then he said, the Holy Spirit declares, so shall the owner of this belt be bound by Jewish leaders in Jerusalem and turned over to the Gentiles. You may be wondering when it's the best time for something more than just the word that you give. Just think this thought before you get up to do it. It says, does this act or this other thing I'm doing with it, is it going to distract from the message or enhance the message? Um, you know, you may be somebody who, who likes to sing. You know, like, I feel like this message will come out great if I sang it. But maybe, maybe that's not your gift, we'll say. And it, it might be a little more distracting than helpful for people, you know? And so just think of those things before you get up to do that stuff. And again, share the word, the whole word, but nothing and nothing but the word. The third rule of a prophet is to teach others to hear and see God. Throughout 1 Corinthians 14, Paul has given direction to the church about spiritual gifts. And he keeps referencing that everyone should be prophesying. And in verse 39, he says, So my dear brothers and sisters, be eager to prophesy and don't forbid speaking in tongues. Right? Be eager to prophesy. In the ESV, it says, earnestly desire the gift of prophecy. As with all the gifts, we are called to partake in this gift as well. Not just prophets are allowed to see and hear from God. We are all called to do it. And when we get, when we get to the gift of prophecy, specifically that gift down the road, um, we're going to take some time and we're going to do some exercises in it so that we can all begin to um, experience it more. But prophets will help us to be able to see into the supernatural. And they will teach us how to use that like, lens that they use. My brother-in-law, he really enjoys bow fishing, and I really enjoy fishing, and I ended up picking up a bow so that we could start going together. This was years ago, and I quickly realized that bow fishing is not like fishing at all, and um, it's a totally different sport that should really be called fish hunting. Um, it's more hunting than, than fishing. You literally sneak up on fish, and, um, which is very hard to do, and they're very fast swimmers, and then you shoot them when you see them. My biggest problem is I could never see them. I, I literally, like, I, by the moment I saw them, it was usually because they were making a splash and disappearing. And I was not very good at it. But my brother-in-law could somehow, like, spot a carp from, like, a mile away, shoot his arrow into the sky, and bring back a fish. No, not, maybe not quite like that, but he could see these things all the time, everywhere. He's like, how did you not get any fish? There was 10 right there. It's like, No. Another, you're crazy. And, um, but over that summer, he taught me tricks so that I could see the fish how he saw them. And by the end, I could actually catch some fish. And prophets, we need you to come alongside us and say, this is how you see into the supernatural. These are things I've learned. These are the way it comes natural to me. Let me help you to see and understand these things so that we can all hear directly from God. So how do the rest of us respond to prophets? As we talked before, prophets can be, you know, a bit different from the norm um, and not maybe within that normal group of friends we hang out with. They can usually bring some drama and a little bit more emotion into life around us um, and often different approaches on how things are to be done. Like I said, we need them. We need them in our lives. Um, but, you know, it's fairly often that even for people who accept the idea of prophecy, 
Ephesians 4 gifted prophets can be confusing and they often are not accepted. Jesus addressed this in Mark 6, 4. He said, a prophet is not honored or is honored everywhere except in his own hometown and among his relatives and his own family. And that's rough. Sometimes we can easily dismiss the gifts of friends and family around us because we're too close. You know, it's okay to, to have that break, to just be yourself, to have fun and hang out with those people without, you know, worrying about all the spiritual gift stuff. But that doesn't mean that we ignore the gifts when God is using them and moving in them. We need to recognize the power that God has placed in everybody around us. Do not dismiss prophets from our church community. We need them. So how do we respond when they give us words, whether personally or to the whole church? First Thessalonians 5, 19-21 says, Do not stifle the Holy Spirit. Do not scoff at prophecies, but test everything that is said and hold on to what is good. But first, we, we don't keep the Holy Spirit from moving. We allow prophets to speak. Secondly, do not scoff at prophecies. That means don't shrug them off. In the original language, it's like do not despise prophecies. And that, that's not the idea of hating. It's the idea of dismissing. Don't dismiss prophecies. But test everything. Prove everything. So when someone says, I have a word for you, or they get up here and they share a word that God might be sharing with them to our church, Listen to it. Be open to hear. Not necessarily open to receive it into your life. Be open to hear it. Say thank you. Because they believe they got something from God to bring to you, and that's a gift, and you say thank you for that. And then you test it. Does it line up with biblical truth? Right? Maybe you need to clarify what they heard or saw. Say, hey, can you share that with me again? Or did, did you get it? Like, was it this? Was it, or was it this, you know, was it red grapes or green grapes? You know, I don't know if that matters, but, you know, ask them to clarify what they saw. You can ask them, what do you think it means? But again, take that with caution, because they weren't given understanding often, they were just giving the word or the picture. So be cautioned with that. They may have insight, they may have held back from sharing with you, but also don't take that part as the word from God. Take that word to other mentors, to other leaders in your life that have been speaking over your life that know you well and say, hey, somebody came and shared this word with me. What do you think about it? And then, if it's nothing you have control over, don't worry about it. That doesn't mean dismiss it out of your head, but if you can't control it, don't worry. Don't fret. Don't let it cause you anxiety because that is against Scripture. And if opportunity allows, give them honest feedback because that encourages them. Hey, thanks for sharing. You, you had no idea that I was going through this and you brought this word to me today that does directly what I was needing from God. A pro, um, Matthew 10, 41, Jesus gives us a promise that says, if you receive a prophet, as one who speaks for God, you'll be given the same reward as a prophet. See, and prophets long for the heart and the word of God. Their reward is seeing God's heart and hearing his word. And if we can receive words from a prophet, that takes us one step closer to hearing and seeing God like they can. Here, before we end, we're going to look at the health of a prophet. A healthy prophet um, wants to encourage people. 
They want to motivate people to change and get in alignment with God. Healthy prophets are great at sharing truth with love so that people can accept that truth and choose to follow it. They are great cheerleaders to the people around you that are seeing victory, who are getting their life in order. They will continually cheer people on in that direction. On one side of an unhealthy prophet, where they ignore their gift, you find super nice people, right? A prophet, um, this prophet would be one that ignores what they see. And they don't share what they're seeing for the sake of not hurting someone. They tend to be that all, all love with no truth. So they, you know, they know how to be a cheerleader. They get in there. They just love and love and love and encourage, encourage, encourage. But they're never bringing you to the, what life you really need to be living. They ignore the misalignment in people's lives and they let them live however they want. They choose to please people by not sharing truth and then they hurt others by not encouraging them to live the lives they should. They are all love and no truth. On the other side of unhealthy, where they're using them, their gifts for themselves, you find brash, harsh people. These are the prophets that are all truth with no love. This can happen because of the big gaps between what people say they believe and the actions that are happening, or the big gaps between what the church is trying to do and the world around them, and those things, and it just seems impossible to them. Like I said, their prophets are often, you know, one piece of the puzzle people, so they see this is what it should be, and then they just see the rest of it happening, and they can't make that happen, so they become harsh because they're hurt by it, they're frustrated by it. This can also come from people who are hurt because they were pushed out of the church for being prophets, because they were different, and they didn't fit in, so they pushed them out, so now all they want to do is share the truth, and they have no love to share. Consider Jonah. Jonah got this word. He heard it very clearly from God. Go to Nineveh. I know they're wicked, evil people, but go to them and tell them, if you keep being wicked, evil people, bad things are going to happen. Jonah's like, yeah, you're right. They deserve the bad things, God. God's like, no, that's not what I said. I heard you, heard you loud and clear, and, and he just runs from Nineveh. He's like, I'm getting out of there. I don't want to tell them that. They deserve to die. And those people over there, because he saw this disconnect. Why do they deserve the grace and mercy when all these people over here are doing all these things right? So he runs, he gets on a boat. Um, and usually when you run from God, you get to know real depression, right? And when you're running from God, you're into sleeping, eating, and other distractions. Um, for TV, probably for most of us now. So of course, this storm comes and they find Jonah napping on the boat. That's probably all he had been doing for those days. And they're like, hey, dude, there's this bad storm coming. I don't, it's rocking us everywhere. I don't know how you're sleeping. And um, he gets up and he's like, ah, it's because of me. Throw me over. And the people are like, what? We can't, I don't even know you. We can't throw you over. Trust me, just throw me over. You know, so eventually they try everything else and their boat's about to capsize. So they just throw Jonah into the water. Great people, great people. Um, they throw him into the water. The storm stops immediately. Jonah gets swallowed by a big fish. What's crazy is the people on the boat came to worship Jonah's God because they saw the power of God. Even in our diso disobedience, God is still up to things, which is crazy. Even him being a prophet, it, almost ignoring his gift in a way, God still used him. And uh, I was just kind of reminder that no matter where we're at in life, God is is and will be using us, right? But then we find Jonah three days later on a beach covered in fish vomit. 
And he goes and shares the word with Nineveh. And they change. They hear it and they're like, you're right, we're doing everything wrong. We should be following God. They fast, they pray, they change all their actions, they get back. And so God, of course, comes in and promises or gives his promise of blessing and stuff. And Jonah's mad. Those people don't deserve it, God. So he's off and he's just sitting in the desert and he's just angry, angry, angry. He says, I'm so angry I could die. And then the book ends. We, know, we don't know what happened to Jonah. Maybe he got so angry he literally died. It just ends. And that can be you if we are not finding the healthy balance to our gift. Imagine if he instead went to Nineveh and praised God for a gracious and merciful God that we serve and joined them in, in the blessings that they were receiving. Understand that God's going to use you whether you're healthy or unhealthy, but your story might end badly like Jonah if you don't strive for health. The role of prophets in our church specifically. Like I said in this building metaphor, the prophets tend to be the ones kind of looking over the blueprint, making sure everything's in line, making sure there's no discrepancies, making sure that each person is doing the role that they need to be doing to get the overall vision accomplished. Um, so kind of keep that in mind as we're looking at these things. So the first thing we need prophets to be doing in our church is hearing and seeing from God and then sharing that with us. We need that. We need that insight that you guys can bring. The second thing is that we need you to encourage the church to follow the plan, right? Catch the vision of the church. Catch the vision that God is giving and say, hey guys, we're not on the right path when we're not on the right path. And when we are on the right path, be our biggest cheerleaders, and the third thing is we need you to help raise up other gifted prophets in that same way. Those, I guess, not gifted and those gifted prophets. The author and teacher, Arthur Wallace, said, it is my conviction that recognizing apostles and prophets and letting them function will yet prove the most important restoration breakthrough of our time. We need you prophets. Don't feel like you're pushed out of here we want to embrace you. We want to accept you. Step up and share what God has given you. Let's pray. Jesus, again, we're just so thankful for these gifts that you've given us, that you didn't just give us with a, a, send us with a mission and a purpose and then say, go figure it out. But God, you specifically handed each one of us a purpose. You handed specifically each one of us a toolkit that we would be able to tap into to be able to build the church that you have um, placed before us, God. We don't draw up the blueprint. You've already laid it out in the word. And we're thankful for the prophets. We're thankful for their ability to see beyond the physical eyes into what you're doing be behind the curtain. God, I pray for all of us that we would earnestly desire the gift of prophecy, that we would earnestly desire to see with our supernatural eyes, with the supernatural lenses on things, God, and that you would raise up prophets within our church to be able to teach us and to show us how to do that better. God, I pray that you would speak, God, that we would find those people that are the knobby people, that, that are open to your word, that to be your mouthpiece. God, I pray that you would continually bring us insight and encouragement, that you would bring us into alignment. And God, that the rest of us would be open to hear from you when a prophet speaks, Lord. God, give us understanding when they're doing weird things. 
Give us your understanding, God. Again, we're just so thankful for what you do. And I pray that you would be with us as we, we go to eat food and fellowship and hang out, God, and that you would show up in amazing ways at this baptism, God, that, that your Holy Spirit would just fall in and, and fill the people getting baptized today and that you would just pour out amazing blessings upon them and upon the other people that are viewing and watching what's happening today, God. God, come and let us not just naturally be within our gifts, but will we supernaturally be within the gifts that you've given us? Help us to tap into those things that are above and beyond what we can do on our own. We love you so much. In your name we pray, amen. All right, go hear, see, and share God's word today. Amen.